Hello and welcome to Arts Talk Radio. I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news and reviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, concentrating on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and everything in between or nearby. Radio Online, Features on the Arts in English. It's all about festivals this week. We talked to the director of the Delft Fringe Festival and to a young man who created an installation at the K-Dance Festival in The Hague. At a venue we visited to speak to our first guest. I'm at the Corso Theatre in The Hague and I'm with Nicole Beutler. And thank you first. I know you're in the middle of rehearsal. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. Sure. Now, you're normally associated with your own company, which is Nicol Butler um, Projects. Projects. But now you're in the middle of rehearsing uh, uh, something which is completely different, an opera. What's that about? That's right. Um, in fact, I've been flirting with opera for many years already. I always, uh, already since 10, 15 years, I've been working with uh, songs by Purcell. Um, and music has always been an intrinsic part of my work. A lot of singing. I have never directed an entire opera. So this is Orphée Eurydice by Gluck, the French version, and it's super exciting to do it. It's the first time that I've been handed 70 minutes of music and um, uh, finding stage directions for it, together with a choir. The choir is a choir of about 100 singers from The Hague, under the fantastic musical um, Conducting by Rick Schoenbeek. And um, there is an ensemble, Marijn van Proyen has rearranged the music for an ensemble of six. Today we had the first rehearsal with the ensemble and it sounds beautiful. It's four bra brass instruments, a guitar and a bass. And this all sounds very grand, but in fact it's taking place on the beach. That's right, yeah. And to be honest, I haven't had that experience. I have done it, Festival Classique has done it already four years, I think, that it that the festival happens entirely on the beach. Yeah, this is Skavingen, and it's yeah. three days in the middle of June, and it's it's a mixed festival. It's made classical music, but it's popular classical music, and you're doing the opera, and there will be other things as well. That's right, and there is a landmark, which is basically the stage design, which has been designed by somebody else and the ensemble sits uh, waterproof and the stage is basically the sand and uh, there are big three big tribunes for the public so yes we will play with the wind with the sound or that will definitely influence the performance but it must um, potentially cause havoc to have sand blowing around especially for the for the musicians and well and for the singers we have uh, chosen instruments that in in a way can handle it <laughs> not really <laughs> so yeah, that's why it's not a, not a harp, uh, but it's a guitar and it's brass instruments because they can sort of... And the musicians sit kind of a bit more in a safe area. The singers, however, they're exposed to the sand and the wind. And that is something I've heard in previous years that the sound was very good because of the installation of the sound. And they have senders, of course. And the choir is about a hundred people or a bit more, so that has an impact even if the wind blows. And if it rains, you carry on regardless. I think that will be the case, yes. <laughs> now, y y your own company, your, your, yeah. your, your projects company is, um, what's the best word, exciting I think. Everything you do is very original, very different. I mean, do you describe yourself as what, a, a choreographer, a director, a theatre maker, what? 
all of all of the above mentioned so yes i'm i'm learned as a choreographer so in a way i make choreographed theater but i am definitely a more a theater maker than let's say only basing my work on dance because i always work with um, everything that theater has to offer with the light with the music with the with text with the bodies with the space yeah, total theater absolutely i saw your last two things the uh, metamorphosis and the um, ginkgo yes and they were um, not quite overpowering but there was there was so much going on especially with uh, the ginkgo mm -hmm. what, what what's your starting point i mean you must have a uh, raison d'etre, if you like. Um, for my simply my own work, for my own company, it's very much the climate crisis, and I so there is a subject matter that I want to deal with, and then I have immediately an image to it. With ginkgo, it was overproduction, overpopulation, the fact that the that as human beings we are living in our own waste, we are not good with uh, leaving the planet in a good state. So yeah, the image of the stage being overfull with uh, products with uh, rubbish objects, is the word rubbish that we all found on the street um, and trying to work climate friendly so all most of the objects are found collected and we just we have you always have to buy a couple of small things but we try to work as green as possible so in my own work that is the beginning point here in this opera i have been approached do you want to direct Ophé et Eurydice and that's a different starting point so then but you I'm do occasionally do um, other projects outside your own company don't you i do absolutely but often it's um, then i can still then i still have a free reign of what i want to do and now it's um, an existing opera which of course i have worked with existing music before like the cold song in metamorphosis for example and then i really zoom into this one particular song and i blow it up for a whole piece let's say i try to identify all its ingredients the text the way it's composed the music extend it dive into it zoom into it and now i have 70 minutes of music we cut the opera a bit and that, of course, is in a way the guideline for everything. So my wiggle room is a little bit less. Yeah, and I think also because your audience is not going to be your typical uh, opera audience that pays to go to an opera house. They're going to be much more the general public. Do you have to bear that in mind when you're directing? I'm more focusing on the work. I'm focusing, trying to understand what the work is about. And the funny thing that Gluck did is that he adds an happy, a happy ending to the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. And the happy ending is not part of the Greek mythology. And uh, at first I found that a bit disconcerting or confusing. Why this happy ending? It's a bit, uh, a bit too sweet. However... But I mean, it was a popular opera booth, wasn't it? I mean, yes. It yeah. So, however, the actual message of it is that win, that love wins over everything. Amor vincit omnia. And I think in times like these, where polarization is such a big uh, is happening and such a big uh, phenomenon, um, where everybody can out their opinion and that becomes the new good, and we are dealing with cancel culture, so differentiating ourselves from each other. I think the whole idea of uh, saying that love wins over everything is a very good message to spread. So the fact that there is this message in the piece made me quite um, made me want to embrace it. Let's say it's a it's a good it's a demonstration for love can overcome many many things. And this runs on what dates? 
Uh, the 16th of June, and we performed two times in the evening. Yeah. That's going to be hard work for everybody. Okay, yeah. Nicole Butler, thanks very much indeed. Thank you so much. That was Nicole Beutler of the Amsterdam-based theatre company Nicole Beutler Projects, and she was talking about Gluck's opera Orpheus and Eurydice, which she is directing for the Festival Classique, and that takes place on the beach at Skeveningen. Arts Talk magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk Radio, with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk Magazine, all one word, dot nl. Arts Talk Magazine, dot nl. Another annual festival that's gone from strength to strength is the Delft Fringe Festival. And I went along to meet its director, Raul Beeftink Funken, on the eve of the opening. And I asked him how the preparations were going. It was uh, it was it was a quite of a ride uh, to get to the festival this year. We have a new artistic leader, uh, Tamara Griffioun, and uh, with a new person, with a new artistic leader, it's always uh, dynamic. Uh, um, but we we've made it so far, and I'm very happy with the with the festival that's uh, about to start. Has it changed a lot with the new director? Um, no, not that much. Uh, Tamara and I discussed about how to. We we t- we talked a lot about when we will make some changes, and we decided to keep it to like it was last year. And so it's more, we took some time, uh, more time to stay uh, get connected with the different makers of the festival, to give them more support. Uh, uh, um, and I think that's the most important thing. So you will, as a visitor, you won't see big differences because I think that's the framework is the framework, and uh, it's more about the kind of uh, makers that will be programmed uh, during the festival, and there might be a, a little switch, but not that big. Because I think it's very important for you and for the festival to make everybody feel at home, to be one big happy family. Absolutely, yeah. And give me some facts and figures. How many? performers are there this year? We have 29 different makers uh, performing about uh, eight, uh, six or eight performers uh, performances so that will run up to well let's do the math I think uh, almost 200 performances. Yeah. In lots of interesting locations I look through your your brochure and there are your um, performing in people's front rooms and various other odd places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite of the uh, part of the festival to present the, this new uh, generation of makers in different locations. The, the not the obvious uh, one like Theater Veste, uh, for example. Um, so we are playing at the faculty of uh, uh, the TU Delft. Uh, we have some, yeah, like you said, some uh, private locations. Yeah, I'm really looking forward, and it's always the the sport to find some new hidden jams uh, in the city um, and I think uh, we succeed in that, that, that as well this year. And one of the, the, the uh, landmarks of the festival is the giant pink origami rabbit, which I just passed through as I came through the square. <laughs> and it's been rather relegated. It's no longer right in the middle of the square. It's rather on the edge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was quite a, a, a thing the last years because uh, we have like the, 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 the fresh market every week. And before, the, um, we had to move the pink rabbit. And the big rabbit is like seven meters high. So it was quite an investment to move the rabbit uh, three times during the festival. So we 
talked a lot with the with the manager of the market square and he uh, gave gave his approval to if you take this place you can leave the bunny uh, for there uh, for the rest of the festival you couldn't put it on wheels no 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 it's way too uh, too heavy to uh, and for, for those for those people who haven't seen it this is a how tall is it seven meters high seven meter high origami pink rabbit <laughs> I sent somebody the picture last year and he actually asked if it was made of paper <laughs> but no it's made out of plywood which is a bit more difficult to bend yeah. <laughs> so for you what is the highlight what's the who's the star this year the star is Nick Wagenaar uh, he won the audience award last year uh, with a very uh, interesting dance performance um, he will be the, the guy who is being on, on the brochure on the festival flyer so I would re- definitely recommend everybody to see his show he made a new performance for this year um, I think we have quite a diversity when it comes to genres, when it comes to topics that will be presented. And I'm really looking forward to the fringe tours we're offering this year. Um, last year we had like the, more the, the, the city guide who, uh, um, uh, who was um, taking you as an audience with uh, them uh, uh, on a trip. And now we ask like uh, journalists or uh, influencers to invite their um, people or their following to come to the festival and uh, yeah. so what do these tours involve just the locations or uh, the locations but also the performance so you're you, you will uh, hop from location a to b to c and in between the the tour guide will tell something about him or his story about the, the, the festival or the profession he is in because it's quite possible to see several if not many performances every day because each performance i think is exactly half an hour oh, correct yeah. so it is possible to to see maybe four or five in an evening yes correct yeah but we have like uh, quite a big offer and some people which I can relate is uh, it can be hard to make a decision uh, which performance to go to so when you book a fringe tour uh, then you're guaranteed or uh, people will help you to make a decision uh, through the festival program and because if if, if they clash it's always going to be available at another Mm -hmm. time at another another place yeah yeah so, at all these new locations, uh, there were some which were very strange, including, I think, two people's living rooms or something like that. Which, which is the most exciting? Oh, and the, and the windmill. You've got mm-hmm. a, in the windmill. So, what's the most exciting new venue? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think... Um, mm, let me think. Um, I think uh, NP50, Nieuwe Plantage 50. It's a private location as well. It's uh, like a big, uh, a really big house. And the um, first floor... Or I must say, yeah, the first floor. The ground floor. The ground floor, yeah, correct, thank you. Uh, they... Or f- uh, f- first floor no, if you're no, American. No, yeah. <laughs> um, they uh, redecorated the, 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 that floor uh, for cultural events. Because I think that the ground floor in, in those buildings is, is, is almost like a cellar, isn't it? It's, yep. it's, it's not actually normally part of the living space. Yeah, yeah, correct. So I'm really looking forward to, to this new cultural hub. Well, a place that can be a cultural hub for... Uh, intim- uh, intimate performances. So I'm, re- uh, I'm always um, very happy when uh, people are uh, willing to open their living room or their house for guests they don't know uh, to let the performing arts get into their house. But that most of them, I imagine, are fairly small with a maximum capacity of what, 20 or 30? Yeah, thir- yeah. 
I think something like that. Yeah. Is there one venue in town that you have your eye, your heart set on, which you're trying to get or would love to get? Well, I really love abandoned places. Um, so when you go to the north of uh, Delft, you have uh, DSM, the uh, big factory. There's a really old, uh, old building that won't be available to to play in, but they are uh, re renovating. Um, one of the old yeah, I think that the main, the big old, op- which was the office block. Yeah, correct. Which is a fantastic building because there's a huge hall yeah. with uh, galleries around and, and, and everything. But I think they're redeveloping that for private for private offices. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. So that's that's. I think that will be interesting if we can get in there and open up that that space for like people who want to see it. Anything else? Well, I think uh, one uh, big thing we decided to to do is to use the TU Wijk as a part of our festival. So not only the historical city center, but also some locations across the bridge, the Bastiaansbrug. And uh, I'm really happy we uh, decided uh, to to keep that as a part of our location, uh, of our festival. Uh, um, uh, yeah, as a part of our festival, um, because we really try to um, get more people from the city also as a visitor to the festival. And I think that will only uh, we only will succeed if we get closer to people who live in uh, in Delft. So uh, I'm happy we could establish that. Okay, Rob, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. <laughs> that was Roel Biefting-Funken, director of the Delft Fringe Festival. Arts Talk Radio Online. I returned to the Corso in The Hague during the recent K-Dance Festival, and I spoke to Mikhail Sandel, a young man who created an installation to run in parallel to the festival. He was responsible for the show Sawdust Symphony a year or two back, which was one of the best performances I've seen at the theatre. I started by asking him about his current installation. Um, yeah, how it came maybe to do an installation yeah. was that I so far I always did performances where I was on the stage also, and I just wanted to try something different, something that is not a performance. And what was important for me to make something interactive, so that the audience, I wanted to give the audience one time the chance to actually feel, touch the objects that we're working with. Because one of the things here is, um, I think, it's not possible to do that, is it? Is it? I think there used to be a game called Whack-A-Rat, or, yeah, or Whack-A-Mole, or whack a whack a mole yeah, exactly. And there's, at the end of a passage, there's a, there's a big log with a nail in it, and a hammer is provided, and you're supposed to creep up and hit the nail, but it's not possible, is it? Um, people managed. People managed. Because, I had, because obviously there's a sensor which feels you coming, and I just had a theory that if you stood behind it and waited... <laughs> Uh, no, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> or <but> crawl. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, people tried everything, but uh, the thing is that uh, actually in the beginning we tried to make it an impossible game, um, but as we let people try it, we figured out that people are way more creative than we thought they will be, and so some people managed. And actually, we figured out that this is very nice because the fact that people manage it sometimes um, keeps people play the game. Mm. Uh, people are, lose very. Uh, uh, quick the interest when something when they feel something is impossible 
Um, as I said, the Sawdust Symphony was an incredible show. It must be a very difficult show to transport. Can you tell us, tell, because there will be, will be people who haven't heard, seen it, what, what exactly happens? There's a lot of wood involved and a lot of hammers and a lot of saws. <laughs> well, it's very difficult to describe what is happening in... in but it's the basically show. three guys on stage, exactly, on a raised stage, so that you come up from platforms underneath it. Yeah, exactly. And you're doing lots of things with bits of wood. You're sticking them together to make chairs at the beginning, I think. Yeah. And you cut them up and there's... I think one guy gets covered in glue and, and wood shavings or something. Exactly. Yeah, like we are three three guys that play three different characters or three different uh, individuals that meet at this platform that we created, like this wooden floor that uh, that we are using. Exactly. And everybody tells a little bit a different story. Um, so every stories are very personal in a way and very different, and sometimes they connect. And how we came to this topic was that we we three really like crafting and woodwork. And we already, bef um, before the show, we already built the decor and so on ourselves for like all the props, all effects, all decor we built ourselves. And we were a little bit sad that this process of making and building the things is always completely hidden behind what you see on the on the stage. Um, and so that's why we decided we want to make a piece where people actually see how we craft the things ourselves. So was this was the starting point. Yeah. Was there never any temptation to have audience participation to bring people up from the audience? We actually we we did have the idea to have people to have on all seats where people sit a little nail stick out in a piece of wood and if <laughs> if the people want to sit comfortably they have to hit first the nail in to to do so um, but then we figured out this would mean we have to bring two thousand kilos of wood to every theater. <laughs> so, yeah, so. I mean the, I think all the wood you see, you use is destroyed, isn't it? You must start with new wood every night. Um, we destroy some parts, but we find found ways that we that we limit the, the amount of The waste. show just becomes smaller each night. <laughs> <laughs> the stage becomes smaller sometimes, yes. <laughs> so, when can we see Sorda Symphony again in um, Holland? Or, or in Holland, the next show we play in the beginning of September at Circus Bende in Amsterdam. And after that, we we are touring again from on December, end of November, beginning of December. And, and the then the whole, hmm? court serve? In Quaso, not anymore, but oh. we have already all the all the dates. We, we play in whole Holland and also in Belgium some shows, and we have already the dates on our website so fantastic well i shall keep an eye open for that thank you very much indeed cool. thank you <laughs> yeah. that was mikhail sandal a young maker at the corso theater in the hague to play us out we have something completely different although released nearly 60 years ago the beatles sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band remains arguably the best album ever made and is still influencing musicians to this day one such group is the Cello Octet of Amsterdam, and they've recreated the album song by song, even down to the cover. Their version is called Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Cello Band, and perhaps not surprisingly, they play all the tunes on just eight cellos. Here to play us out is the opening track from that album. I'm Michael Hasted, so until the next time, it's goodbye. Bye.